through the book of Colossians. Last week, we heard the first 15 verses of chapter 1, which are overflowing with abundance and thanksgiving for all the Colossian church is learning through Epiphras about the gospel. And today we remember, along with the Colossian church, that this gospel is established firmly in Christ and that it is for all of creation. Today we're going to celebrate and take seriously what God accomplishes in and through Jesus. As we approach God's word together, let's pray. God of all times and all places, thank you for the gift of your word. Through it we learn we are your people and you love each of us dearly. Your word shapes our identity and gives us hope and a future. As this word is read and preached, send your spirit so that we can know our role in your ongoing work of reconciliation in the world. Amen. Friends, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We'll begin by reading verses 15 through 20 and then loop back for verses 21 through 23. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, starting in Colossians 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have allness fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few moments ago, we affirmed our faith in response to the sacrament of baptism using the words of the Apostles' Creed, which are a summary of our belief in God the Creator, Jesus the Savior, and the Holy Spirit, our guide, including reference to God's work of forgiveness and the resurrection of the body. While this creed is by no means exhaustive, we read it at baptisms because we are reprofessing our faith alongside the Vandenbosch family and promising to be the communion of saints with and for them as they raise Colton and Sawyer in the good news of the gospel. But before the Apostles' Creed existed, statements like Colossians 1, 15 through 20, which we just read, John 1, 1 through 5, and Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, were sung or spoken to affirm who God's people said Jesus was, what God's people thought Jesus did, and how Jesus made the gospel more clear. Jesus Christ, who is called the Word in John 1, is in the beginning 
Just as Colossians 1 says Jesus was before all things. Similarly, Jesus makes all things new, according to John, and holds all things together in Colossians 1. Jesus is the light shining in the darkness, a dominion of darkness, which Colossians 1.13 asserts that we have been rescued from. Hebrews 1, as well, says Jesus is the heir of all things and the creator of the universe. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. I love that phrase. And the exact representation of his being. So when early Christian converts were baptized, they affirmed statements like these. Statements that affirmed who Jesus is in relation to God, to creation, and to the church using words like the ones found in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Let's take a moment to reflect together about what that means, that Jesus is in relation to God, in relation to creation, and in relation to the church. In relation to God, Jesus is the revealer of what was once concealed. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, just as my siblings who are here today and I are the image of our parents. Yes, I have my dad's eyes and my mom's smile, but that alone is not why I'm in the image of my parents. In knowing me, you are connected to the beliefs, convictions, and hopes of my parents. Their worldview, mannerisms, and faith go wherever I go. I'm not exactly like them. I am not geographically savvy like my dad. I am not detail-oriented like my mom. But they are represented in me, and therefore, you can make some assumptions about my parents based on my conduct. In the same way, through Jesus, we understand more fully the beliefs, convictions, and hopes of God. Through Jesus, we are more connected to how God sees the world. We know from these five verses in Colossians that because Christ reconciled all things to himself, God must care deeply about reconciliation. Because Christ created, God must care deeply about all created things. Because Christ made peace, God must care deeply about peace. In relation to God, Jesus is the revealer of what has been concealed. In relation to the creation, Jesus is the sustainer of the cosmos. Jesus created all things, and in him, all things hold together. Absolutely everything, every human, plant, animal, star, has been created by Christ. And the relationships between all those humans, plants, animals, and stars are being held together by Christ. And the systems, the thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities enveloping those created things and relationships are being sustained by Christ. We'll learn in just a moment that Jesus' sustaining power does not exempt us from working hard to pursue the gospel. We don't get to kick our feet up and leave Jesus to juggle the cosmos. We know from living in this world that people relationships, and systems fail. But ultimately, 
we are not the one who sustains. Jesus is the unifying force of creation, and therefore all glory, power, honor, and dominion belong to him forever. In relation to God, Jesus is the revealer of what was once concealed. In relation to creation, Jesus is the sustainer of the cosmos. In relation to the church, Jesus is the firstborn of a new resurrected people. Jesus is the sustainer of the created order because he made it. And Jesus is the firstborn of the church because he founded it. I love the Greek word that's used for head in the phrase head of the church because while it certainly does imagine a hierarchy where Jesus is at the top and the body, us, the followers, are beneath him, it's also a word sometimes used for cornerstone. Cornerstone, Cornerstones are not on top of the building. They're at the bottom, establishing the foundation, bringing two sides together. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection encompass both parts of that head definition, both founding the church and bringing all sorts of sides together, slave, free, Gentile, Jew, sinner, saint, the creation, and God. Jesus is the revealer of what was once concealed. Jesus is the sustainer of the cosmos and the firstborn of a new resurrected people. A lot is accomplished in and through Jesus, ultimately resulting in reconciling all things to himself, as we read in Colossians 1, 19 through 20. It says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This picture of reconciliation is much bigger than Jesus forgiving my sins so I can go to heaven one day. This is about a restoration with God, with creation, and with you, my fellow human beings, that is both possible and available to me right now. As we continue to make our way through this letter this summer, we'll learn more about the specific ways the Colossian church was invited to engage God's reconciling work. But for now, here are some of my favorites from the letter. The Colossian church is encouraged to live their lives in Christ, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as they were taught. That's from Colossians 2, 6. Because they had been raised with Christ, they were to set their hearts and minds on things above and clothe themselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and putting on love. That was our verse once for an RCYF missions trip from Colossians 3. And they were called to let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts, since as members of the body, we are called to peace. The Colossians were encouraged to recognize who Jesus is as revealer, sustainer, and the firstborn, and to live in a reconciled way with one another. The message translation puts Colossians 1, 19 through 20 this way. 
So spacious is Jesus, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. As a musician, I find the metaphor of vibrant harmonies in this translation useful when considering what reconciliation in and through Jesus looks like. Many of you know I studied vocal performance with an emphasis in classical music, not in Willy Wonka, um, for about six to seven years before going to seminary. I began taking lessons when I was in high school. I really enjoyed participating in opera competitions, singing in choir, performing as a soloist. Though I didn't always put in the required number of hours, I really did love it. My voice instructor at Kelvin uh, knew I didn't practice enough, so when I told her that my choir director thought I should switch from soprano to alto, she was not in favor. If you don't speak choir, that means I would transition from singing the high notes to singing the lower notes, but that put me at risk of losing the higher register. So my choir director, on the other hand, told me I was louder than the entire choir when I sang the high notes, so he needed me to either blend better or switch to a lower register. The praise team knows, yes. (laughs) I am loud. Um, So I ended up moving to the alto section, to that lower register, and I loved it a lot more than I thought I would. As an alto, my role was to support the other vocalists because I was no longer singing the melody line. My focus shifted. I learned to watch our director more closely I learned to appreciate the craftsmanship of the composer. I learned to key in, to pay attention, to to pursue the success of the entire choir. It was not about how I sounded as a soloist, but about how we sounded together. I did lose some of my upper register because of that switch. I spent more time working on choral music and less on personal repertoire when I became a section leader, but I became a better musician. Being an alto taught me to make room for the other singers. I'm still loud, and that's not changing anytime soon, but I have learned to care a lot more about how we sound together and less about being the best. That's what I imagine reconciliation in and through Christ to be like. We each have a unique important voice. Each voice is needed to hear what God has done and is doing, and we've been created to sing together. We weave in and around each other, taking turns, leading the melody line, and supporting those who are singing it. We have to practice our parts. We have to ask for help when we don't understand the music, or if you're like me, you have to sometimes apologize for overshadowing literally every other person singing. But Something beautiful happens 
when we recognize it is not our job to hold ourselves or the entire choir together, it is simply to watch the conductor and make music. Let's turn again to the book of Colossians. Reading now, verses 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, but now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move, from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After establishing Jesus' supreme authority as the revealer, sustainer, and firstborn, the Colossian church is reminded once again that the truth of this gospel of reconciliation, which has been proclaimed, did you catch it, to every creature under heaven, should inspire a spirit of perseverance in their community. Because they were redeemed from their alienated state, they should continue in faith and remain firm in what they've come to know. Perhaps like me, your attention was drawn to that if in verse 23. I'll read 22 and 23 again. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Perhaps you heard that if in this way. If I or we do not continue in faith, if I, we, are not established and firm, if I, we, move from the hope presented in the gospel, then I or we are no longer reconciled in and through Christ. Perhaps you receive that like a threat, like one sliver of doubt or one mistake or too many blemishes will finally break the straw on Jesus' back. I wonder if that fear comes more from a soloist's perspective than it does from the choral singer. And I wonder that with a lot of grace as someone who strongly identifies as a soloist. I wonder if that fear comes from a place that is hyper-focused on me, hyper-focused on an important mistake I made, or hyper-focused on something I don't or can't reconcile. If that if is getting in your way this morning, I want to encourage you to hold that intention with the fact that Jesus is holding all things, even you, together. Your doubts, mistakes, and blemishes don't cancel out the reconciliation God has already established in and through Jesus. You can certainly choose to ignore that for a time, but you can't change it. You are not powerful enough to blow up God's plan for you. The message translation puts it this way. You yourselves are a case study of what God does. At one time, 
you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. I know that as we remember God's reconciling work in and through Jesus this morning, that some of us are not in a place to receive that message. And I understand. I understand that it's difficult to care about reconciliation when you don't know how you'll afford rent this month or if that broken relationship in your family will ever be fixed. I recognize that pursuing a, pursuing a firm and established faith feels like a low priority when you're being bullied at school, when you're stuck in cycles of addiction, when you don't like your appearance, when your significant other abuses you, when your calendar is full of doctor's appointments, when you're pulling 60 or 70 or 80-hour work weeks, when you're wrestling with your mental health, when you are someone else's caretaker, or when you're simply indifferent or distracted by other things. Maybe this Father's Day, your mind and heart are somewhere else, mourning a beloved father who is no longer here, or a father you never knew, or a father you want to forget. Maybe you long to be a father. And today serves as yet another reminder that that hasn't happened yet. Friends, in all things, may our text this morning meet you where you are, as it met the church in Colossae. May you have courage to believe that God's reconciling work is for you. May you persevere in faith and join your voice with the chorus of all God's creation. May you have grace with yourself as you seek to follow Jesus, the revealer of what was once concealed, the sustainer of the cosmos, and the firstborn of a new resurrected people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray.